like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, savvy sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for runaways and art historians. This week, a crossover we- crowd. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And Kelly, this week we are discussing a mm. book that is so near and dear to my heart. From, it's a good one. It is. From the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Today I have some thoughts to ponder. Actually, no. I'm good. I have one thought that we should ponder throughout our discussion. Hit me. And this thought, this thought is like a callback to something you said a few episodes ago. You told me about this art heist show on Netflix. I, it's yes, called, I was thinking about it the whole, the whole time. Book. <laughs> it's called the This is a book. Robbery. And yes. now with this lens of art theft, question for you. How had the art in this museum not just completely walked away? Because children were able to infiltrate just by standing on a toilet at night after hours uh so like i this it 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 bothered me literally the entire book like not enough to like make me not love the book because i absolutely love the book but i thought about that netflix special the entire time (laughs) and was like how how are they not just like every other day being like well we lost another painting there goes another michelangelo (laughs) somebody i mean have you ever been to the met i haven't I don't think, I don't think so. It is gigantic. Like, (laughs) it is gigantic. So the concept of having one night watchman who does rounds, I mean, I would think that you would be able to do one round in eight hours. Like, you would be able to walk (laughs) through. It is so, so big. So it, if that is like, their method of security. The security it, level. It completely makes sense that Claudia and Jamie got away with this for a week. But I also am concerned that they may have some Prices Works Bart missing. <laughs> I wonder if the Met had to, like, address that afterwards. Because we'll right. talk about this later. But, like, they have... Their lives changed at the Met dramatically uh-huh. after this book gained popularity. And I wonder if they mm-hmm. had to, like, make statements like, please do not do this. how how many how many like violin cases do you think they asked to look into after this and they're like young lady you cannot sneak into the met with underwear in your violin case and think you're gonna get away with that we're hip to the groovy news now so you cannot live here but you're adorable thank you for trying (laughs) thank you for trying here's your like commemorative pin (laughs) i hit the i want a commemorative pin for attempted met sleepovers more Infiltration. than anything yeah, still waiting add that to the yeah, list would of be good. future birthday gifts that we've been creating throughout this podcast <laughs> i know i'm like but i don't i don't think that's a thing so i'm gonna have to like ground up craft that oh i can do that though thank you well hey I, I see i see swag in all of our future i, like, I love it i got caught stowing away at the met etsy etsy shop coming to a podcast near you right <laughs> Um, exactly. I I don't think I've talked to you all week. How have you been? What have you been doing? 
Uh, I have not talked to you all week. I, I'm great. I'm good. Awesome. Like, it is, it is a beautiful spring. There, I don't know why it is, but I've, this past year, I've definitely been able to just, like, stop and, like, smell the proverbial roses a little bit. I and love that. I think, I think part of it, too, is, like, being in my house and at my house and not crazy all the time, running around to work and work trips and vacations and say, you know, st- just stuff all the time. Like I've been at my house and seen four seasons go by and I don't know. It's just been really nice. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but also I did learn something this week. Oh, and I'm so incredibly interested to know if this is new information to you. Um, I was texting with our mother and she got called for jury duty. Oof, that sucks. And yeah, and she's, she's telling me this via text message. And, and I say that only because that's the only way I picked up on this at all is because it was in, in writing. If we had been talking about it, it never would have computed. But she wrote to me and said, I have, I've been called for petty court jury spelled p-e-t-i-t as in little little jury petite okay and i was like i thought it was petty i did too is it p-e-t-t-y is it not as in not that important (laughs) so (laughs) i I stole a mars bar versus petty crime right you know, versus I murdered somebody, right? So I was like, I questioned her on it. And I think she didn't respond to me, which is fair. Um, she's like, look, you know, Google it. I'm not, I'm not your Google. Um, so I did Google it. And she is right. It is correct. It is. So there are petty crimes, P-E-T-T-Y, but then a trial jury, as opposed to a grand jury, a trial jury is also known as a petite jury. Oh. P-E-T-I-T. I thought yeah, it was... Did you know that? No, I thought they were both petty. P-E-T-T-Y. Huh. Yeah. So don't you love it how, like, just a little bit of French sneaks into the, <laughs> in, to the, to the American jurisprudence court? I don't know. American... <laughs> Court courting court system. I, I I believe whatever version of that s- series of words you said, I've been like, yeah, totally. I I whichever had ones no I idea. don't edit out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for teaching me that. I was also yeah. I I didn't wrong. I didn't do any like back research to figure out like why any of that is, but I did enough to find out that that is in fact accurate. Huh. So. You can be tried for a petty crime in a petite court. Now you know. <laughs> now we know. Battle. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Like, insert, like, the wishbone logo here. <laughs> there's, there's a teen sleuth we need to talk about. Wishbone. Wishbone's not really a sleuth. He's a lover of the, the literary He's a arts. literature. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just remember him dressed dressed up in that little Sherlock Holmes, uh, what what do you call it? Like a deerstalker cap. Yeah, I always think of him I, dressed yeah. up as Shakespeare with like the ruff on, which is like uh, an, also yeah. a dog pun in and of itself. I I'm happy to talk to you about Wishbone <laughs> whenever you want. I love I love Wishbone. 
<laughs> little wishbone, a little lamb chop. Ghostwriter. Also not a sleuth. Oh, Ghostwriter. Oh, well, that, that needs to be a super sleuth episode right there. But it's a TV show. Can we? Uh, we'll make we'll it. We'll make it work. It's our podcast. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. We make the rules. Okay? We make the rules. I f- but, like, legit, though, I feel like the people that listen to this podcast probably are also fans of Ghost Rider. Uh, who's not a fan of Ghost Rider? People who haven't seen it. So we our, our new mission is to help make sure everyone has, has seen Ghost Rider. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's seen Ghost Rider. Everyone's seen, was it? Oh, uh, was it th- was it three two one contact that oh. MathNet was on? That yes. only as an adult do I realize was a spoof of Dragnet. Had no idea when I was nine watching it, but that was the best. Never Math put Net. that together, but yeah, that was that mm-hmm. ruled. Oh man, the Bloodhound. Although gang. I also will tell you, oh, the Bloodhound Gang was amazing. <laughs> anyway, I've done enough talking. What have you been up to this week, Seaster? Well, not a whole lot. I am very excited to report. Kelly, that I received yes. my second vaccine. I am now... Congratulations. As, That's amazing. As my friend Jess texted me this morning, she said, welcome to House Pfizer. <laughs> I <laughs> yes, yes. loved that a lot. And uh, Ooh, I... Can we please get jerseys or something? Get like a blazer with a House welcome Pfizer. To House Pfizer. Like, That's funny. What are our scarf colors? I'm like totally in yes. House Pfizer. I will say that uh, the second shot did me a little dirty. I was not feeling my best, but I did sleep for 13 hours last night, and I feel like $1 million right now, so fully- (laughs) Slept it off a little bit. Fully repaired, ready to rock and roll, Um, delighted to have that. Repaired, vaxxed, ready to go. What I will tell you, though, and I- I I feel like I always report to you when I feel like I solved a mystery. I'm like, be proud of me. You do, which it's I, I'm I'm always so excited to not like feel like nothing mysterious ever happens to me. So I'm living vicariously through you. Well, this is like the world's most suburban mystery, or like it's, I don't know. It's it's not like a very exciting mystery. However, you will be proud of me. So, um, two packages arrived at our door i mean let me let's just pause yes none of nancy none of nancy's mysteries start off great either i mean her (laughs) her last one started off with like a bitchy sales clerk in a perfume shop true and like the next thing you know we got a like off at redgate farm with a cult and counterfeiters so like don't never say never like you know you don't know where it will lead so this is actually just don't know it's it's not there's no cult at the end of this trail, but it is a charming story. So, and also, God. So, <laughs> Buffalo, I was kind of hoping that's. I'm like, kind of buried the lead there if it were, Karen. I'm like, and now I'm in a cult. Somebody send help. <laughs> so, two packages show up at our door. We, for context, we have lived in this house for over two years, and this has never happened. So, two packages show up. They are our address and a different name, a woman's name on these packages. And I'm like, that is real strange. Um, we've mm-hmm. lived here for quite some time and have never mm-hmm. heard this name. Um, I also know from the transition process when we moved in that, like, the name on these packages is not the person who lived here before us. And I'm like, okay, all right. That was my first guess. But yeah, cool. I was like, odd. So mm-hmm. in the moment, I'm like, whatever. I'll just go to the post office tomorrow. I'll drop these off and be like, no, no, she don't live here. Please return to sender. But then, you know, the day progressed and I was like, I'm going to see if I can figure out who this person is. Like, this you're, seems you're not, fun. You're not, you're not going to like, um, 
out yourself for like mail fraud here, are you? No, no, I'm not. But okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> that really threw me. I was like, interesting. <laughs> I don't think so. Am I? Am I? I don't know. Let me check myself real quick. So. I, like, you know, hours pass, and I'm like, but wouldn't it be more fun if I could find this person? <laughs> so I start to, I, I internet, as one does, and I, I'm like, I turn to Facebook, and I'm like, who is this individual? And I look them up, and, like, Seattle is a large city. It is a large, large city. And I put this person's mm-hmm. name in, and I have a mutual friend with this person. And I'm like, you don't no say. Way. I do. So I text my friend Shay and I'm like, Shay, do you know, insert name of person here? And Shay responds back, I do. She was my coworker for a long time. Why are you asking me about this? And I'm like, I I just got a bunch of her packages. (laughs) And Shay's like, well, let me text her. Turns out this person lived in our house years ago, years and years ago. And was like, something must have like autofilled in my browser and these packages went there. But so like, I found them. We have a mutual, like very close friend in this giant city. And Shay was like, I just looked up your address. I've been to your house several times before and never realized it. Like she used to like host work gatherings at your house. So Shay connects us. We start texting. I'm like, I've got your stuff. She comes over and is just, like, the sweetest person ever. I was like, hello, can we be friends? I'm always looking for new friends. She was, like, the sweetest. She gave me a Starbucks gift card. I'd like, your next coffee's on me. Thank you for saving my packages. But And I was like, my reward was already enough that I solved a mystery. (laughs) So Don't say that. I mean, you're fitting right. You know, know, just like Nancy, you get a Starbucks gift card reward. I mean, maybe not as good as like a priceless antique brooch or something, but um, <laughs> I was I was maybe thrilled. more useful. <laughs> I was yeah. thrilled, and I I was just waiting for you to tell me that she um, is our long lost in Garrett's arms, and then yeah, <laughs> and then told you that like you know she was an orphan and her parents had died in a boating accident, and and, and it was her she's twin be impoverished. Exactly. Thank you. It was her, her, twin, her twin who had, sent them to her our twin address. Was missing. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't, and that if you can find the twin and a will, she'll give you a second Starbucks gift card. Well, like this is all very f- a fresh mystery, so like we haven't gone that far yet. But I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna rule it out. Like it could still go there. <laughs> you never know. You never know. She could come back and be like, you know what, you did such a bang up job with the mystery of the mysterious packages that I want to come to you up the ante a little bit, see how you do with like. A missing person's case. <laughs> also, do you have any skin diving experience? Because I think <laughs> I think something might be sunk at the bottom of the Ballard locks that you need to go get. There you go. In my recruiting efforts for this position, I cannot seem to find on your LinkedIn profile what your experience with skin diving is. Can you uh, speak to that at all? <laughs> so I'll keep you posted, but the possibilities... You never know. Clearly I feel endless. like this could be a whole spinoff series. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Karen, you got to look for the mysterious in the mundane, you know? That was beautifully. Is that the new tagline for the podcast? That's beautiful. 
there could be. You're the poet. If that if that's the new tagline, we don't even need to like review books anymore. <laughs> we can just keep talking about the random nonsense that shows up on our doorstep. <laughs> well, my dear sister. Yes, my dear sister. Would Should you, we do the thing? Let's do the thing. I have some fun facts for you about this Oh, book. I knew you would. Um, <clears throat> are you ready? <clears throat> I am. All right. So, Brass Tacks. Book was published in 1967. Again, this is... Pause. From- yes. Pa- thank you. I was going to say, what what book are we talking about again? From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Baisley Frankweiler was published in 1967. Hmm. Decades. We're sticking with an era here. <laughs> Decades before our birth. We <laughs> we're very young. Thank God. It's the first time I felt young in a week. Yes, so we're, thank you. we're very young. And as you noted in the previous episode, this book won the Newbery Medal for Excellence in American Children's Literature the year afterwards. So it is lauded. Both of our copies of this book have a beautiful embossed gold seal on the cover to indicate this. Um, and... Fun fact about the author, when this book was published in 1967, she had never been published before. E.L. Koenigsberg, the author, had never been published before. And she was like a mother of three children living in the suburbs outside of New York City. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to write this book. And turns out she wrote a slam dunk of a book. Yes, she did. Yeah. Yeah, she sure did. Nailed it. Um, And... One of my favorite fun facts about this, so there are lots of theories about her inspirations for this book, and one of the the many threads was that she once took her children camping in Yellowstone National Park, and they were, like, picnicking, they were camping, etc., and just complaining up a storm, it sounds like, and she said out loud, they would certainly never consider any place less elegant than the Metropolitan Museum of Art if they ever ran away. So <laughs> that's amazing. She was as I a mom throwing some agree shade. with the kids. Oh, totally. They're I like, mean, this sucks. Yeah. I hate it. Like, there's bugs. It does. It's like hot. Yes. I just want to like get on my iPad and watch TV. None of those, but none of those things existed. But they're like, this blows. And she was like, yes. o- okay, fancy pants. <laughs> <laughs> fancy little creatures um the other fun fact i have for you so there are illustrations in this book as i'm sure you have noticed and i I did in fact notice and she and they're amazing they're amazing and she drew these and they are the she didn't draw them though oh she didn't Uh -uh. uh-uh i think it was a neighbor drew them well the the two children that are pictured are her act the author's two youngest children Oh, that's cool. It is cool. So they are immortalized in this book through the illustrations. That's so neat. And then my last fun fact I wanted to tell you. So uh, one of the the main review outlets, Kirkus, when this book was published, said there may be a run on the Metropolitan after this, uh, especially because there was a map of the Met provided in the book. And I loved the map on the book. It also, when I was flipping through it, has a phone number listed on the map and i was like i wonder if that's actually no, oh i didn't notice that i was like i wonder if that's actually the phone number for the met and i tried to get garrett to just call it <laughs> to see yeah. what would happen but Your it was advice, huh? it was like 12 
it, it was midnight when this happened, which would be 3 a.m. And I was like, call, call the number, Garrett. We Googled it instead, and it is, in fact, the, f- the phone number for the Metropolitan Museum of Art is printed in this book. Wow. So, um, like, the map is real. The phone number is real. It, I, I just love everything about that. That's so cool. Yeah, I know I know you love the map thing. So I do. It's cool the phone number is still the same. I love the map. So that's that's what I got for you today on my fun facts about Basil. Excellent fun facts. I actually have one for you, too. Um, oh, so, and this is kind of in line with uh, where she got her inspiration for the story. Um, so this is just like ripped straight off of Wikipedia, just full disclosure. But um, <laughs> long story short, in 2014, family and friends of the author, E.L. Konigsberg, gathered at the Met to pay tribute to the author. And one of the speakers was her son, Paul, and he told the following story, which I'm just going to read. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. During the mid-1960s, Konigsberg would drop off her young son, Paul, and his siblings, Lori and Ross, at the museum while she attended her own art classes. By the time the children made their routine visits to the Knights in Armor, the Mummy, and the Impressionists, Konigsberg's class would be finished and she would return to explore the museum with them. On one such occasion, Paul recalled, his mother spotted a single piece of popcorn on the floor next to an ornate piece of royal furniture, which was completely blocked off from public access. He remembers his mother wondering aloud, where did that popcorn come from? And it was that moment, burned into shrapnel memory, that he believes formed the kernel, which I'm inserting here, no pun intended, of the story that would become from the mixed up files of Mrs. Baisley Franklin. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, so, I have Isn't that cool? I have chills. I have I know, total I have chills. That is yeah. the most absolutely like charming and, and and like inspiring thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah. But like what a special mind to like see something like that which I mean, I think talking about it you go, well of course that's out of the ordinary, but I I mean, I'm sure there's been a million things like that that we've seen in museums or different places that I mean, certainly have never inspired any kind of thought like that. Yeah, so, I didn't, like, go um, write a best-selling children's book because I saw, like, a misplaced leaf. Like, that's Im- that's incredible. Right. It's so cool. So, anyway, that concludes my tiny tidbit of information in the conversation. So I'm so um, inspired. Are you ready for today's super fast plot, my sister? Oh, I'm, I'm ready. Um, okay, and before you do it, though, I just want to say... If you're out there listening, like, spoiler, 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 spoiler. So, oh, if, yes. like, read the book or don't read the book. It's cool. But, like, if, continue listening at your own at your own discretion because we are going to ruin the story. So, 100%. Like, not ruin it. We're going to spoil the story. Totally. The and one more uh, caveat before this. I, as I mentioned, slept for 13 hours and have been a little pfizer out over here at House Pfizer. So um, <laughs> I also, this week, I took a shortcut. And I'm sorry. I hope you're not disappointed in me. But I did borrow the super fast plot overview from our friends at Wikipedia. I did make some edits. Um, but they their their framework is the scaffolding for this. So I just want to make Girl, sure that credit get on with is your given bad self. where credit is due. Okay. <clears throat> Ready? Ready. The book opens with a letter from Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler addressed to my lawyer Saxonberg and accompanied by a drawing of her writing at her office desk. 
It provides the background of the story and tells us that what she will reveal are the reasons she's making changes to her last will and testament. Twelve-year-old Claudia Kincaid decides to run away from her home in Greenwich because she thinks that her parents do not appreciate her, and she is suffering injustices in the household. She takes refuge in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, aka the Met, in New York City, with her brother Jamie. She chooses Jamie as her companion partly because he has saved all his money and he has a transistor radio, which they may need. With the help of an unused adult train fare card that she found in a wastebasket, Claudia finds a way to get them both to the museum for free using the commuter train and a very long walk. Early chapters depict Claudia and Jamie settling in at the Met, hiding in the restroom at closing time, as security staff check to see that all the patrons have departed, blending in with school groups on tour, bathing in the fountain, using wishing coins for money, and sleeping in Erwin Untermeyer's antique bed. A new exhibit draws sensational crowds and fascinates the children. The marble statue of an angel, the sculptor unknown but suspected to be Michelangelo. It was purchased at auction for only $225 for Mrs. Basily Frankweiler, a collector who recently cl closed her showcase Manhattan residence. The children research it on site and at the Donnell Library and give their conclusion to the museum staff anonymously. After learning that they have been naive, the children spend the last of their money on travel directly to Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler's home in Connecticut. She recognizes them as runaways, but sets them briefly to the task of researching the angel from files in her long bank of file cabinets. Despite the idiosyncratic organization of her files, they discover the angel's secret. Mrs. Frankweiler has purposefully given away a virtually priceless Michelangelo to the Met. In exchange for a full account of their adventure, she will leave the crucial file to them in her will and send them home in her Rolls Royce. Claudia learns her deep motive for persisting in the crazy search. She wanted a secret of her own to treasure and keep. The children decide to secretly adopt Mrs. Frankweiler as their grandmother. Saxonberg, the lawyer, is revealed to be the children's maternal grandfather, and Mrs. Basilie sets a luncheon date at the Met so that he can officially revise her will. The End Yay! Yay! Oh, I love this book so much, Kelly. <laughs> it's it's a good one. I, I really enjoy I'd never read it before now, and I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I was feeling, like, really anxious the whole time because I have hyped this up so much, and I... No, I, I know the feeling. Like, I felt the same way about the Westing game, so... Which ruled. Yeah, I'm... No, I, I absolutely loved it. I, and I can, I can completely see why people love it. I mean... It's, I, I wish that I had read it when I was a kid, because I know that I, you know, I would have read it in a different way, you know? Yes. Um, but even as an adult, I loved it. So, but, so with, with that said, I'm just curious, like, why, do, because you did read this when you were a child, like, when did you first read it? Why do you love it? What resonated with you? Like, all of those things, like, filed under thoughts and musings. Oh, filed in my mixed up files. So, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think I read this around fifth grade and I had the, oh, my fifth grade teacher, you remember this, Mrs. Schmidt. She was mm. like my favorite human in the whole world. Yeah. She passed away when I was in eighth grade. Um, one of the most wonderful, yeah, one of the most wonderful people in the whole world. And she loved books more than anything. And I think this is a huge part of why I am the way that I am. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I mean, man, teachers really do have an impact, I think, especially when when you're, like, in middle school. Yeah, and, like, she made sure that a love of books and reading were just, like, very baked into her curriculum, regardless of what the class was. And so, like, other books that she introduced me to were A Wrinkle in Time, um, a book called The House of Dyes Dreer, which I think we should also read. And then, like... I've never read that. Oh, it's real good. And then on the other end of the spectrum, she was like, yeah, you're in fifth grade, but, like, read. let's read The Hobbit. And she mm-hmm. would like read chapters of books like wrinkle in time she would read us like one chapter aloud each day and it was so fun like everyone's favorite part of the day we're like oh is it time yet like what's gonna happen um so (laughs) i am fairly certain that i read this in her class um and oh that just made me very emo so uh i think (laughs) I'm trying to, like, put myself back into, like, fifth grade Karen's little kids' sneakers. But I think what was so, like, magical to me was these little kids having this completely unfettered access to this large, mysterious place that is kind of Mm -hmm. ruled by adults. And they're doing very adult things. They're like, we have have garnered our independence. And the stuff that they're excited about... When you're an actual actual adult is very mundane. It's like laundry <laughs> and right. like sending mail. Taking and, a bath. Yeah, right. taking a bath. And, but they have found this like very special way to do this on their own with mm-hmm. like no adults involved. They're like independence has happened. Um, what are the things that or I guess the two things that I remembered distinctly from this book before we reread it was the bathing in the fountain that was like emblazoned yes. in my mind. And then I also, that was, that was one of my favorite parts. It's so good. And then also yeah. um, when they get their own PO box so that they can send and yes. receive mail. And I, mm-hmm. I just really remember being a kid and like, oh, man, I'd do anything to have my own P.O. box. Like, I thought that was, like, Seriously? the coolest thing in the world. Like, the concept of a P.O. box. I'm like, that would be awesome. I'm going to have so many pen pals. I'm going to, like, solve mysteries. I wanted a P.O. box so bad, Kelly. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. That's so funny. And, I mean, like, I that part I was like, man, like, did I even know what a P.O. box was when I was, like, in sixth grade, like, Claudia? I mean, also... If you told me today I had to go get a P.O. box, I would have to Google that. Like, there's, I wouldn't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, trot down the block and I'm going to get a... I mean, what? I Also, I loved when they ask him how long they want it and Jamie says for two days. Like, two days. Goes, no, we write it quarterly. And he goes, great, I'll take eight quarterlies then. <laughs> yes. Oh. I love that part. I was like, Jamie, yes. I love it. And, like, in my mind... I, I I guess, I, I, like, I went to the post office with probably mom and dad the next time, and I saw the P.O. boxes, and they're, like, these little golden-looking boxes that are, like, I'm, like, I could have my own mailbox with my own address that, like, I have a key to, and mom and dad don't have a key to. Like, that's awesome. Like, that, oh, man, it just, this whole book felt so magical. That was exactly how I felt about having... I wanted my own phone line, like Claudia did. Totally. In- the Babysitter's Club. Yes. Crazily enough, another Claudia. But but yeah, like that little bit of like independence and freedom. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the last thing I'll say, and I, I'm curious to see how you felt about this, having read this for the first time as an adult, but like, as a kid, this book felt very serious to me. It was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. run away, live your life, be independent. Like, let's do this. Reading it as an adult, I'm like, this is the funniest book I have ever read in my entire (laughs) life. Like the first like five chapters, I was rolling on the floor laughing (laughs) at the things these kids were saying. Like the one I jotted, like they're one liners, Kelly. Like the one I jotted down was when Claudia finally asked Jamie to come on the adventure with her. And he's like, Make it more complicated, Claude. I like complications. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Um, mm-hmm. So I appreciated it in a very different way as an adult. I'm like, this is hilarious. And I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. No, I had, I, I had the same thing where I was like, I, I can completely see how serious this is for them. They don't know how funny they're being. You yes. Know? Yes. Um, Yeah. So tell me, uh, I've wanted to ask you about this all week, and I have just, like, actively made myself not text you so we could have this conversation (laughs) live, but you read this for the first time. I want to, like, live this through your experience. Tell me what this was like for you. Okay, so, like I said, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I I mean, we're going to talk about, like, our favorite parts, and there are a lot of, like, favorite parts, if you can have multiple favorites, but... I mean, first off, just like the sheer feat that they pulled off, I, I'm i like, slow clap, guys. You know? <laughs> yes. Like, well done. And I can see how it would work. You know? I mean, it, it's not a, like, far-fetched plan. Uh, it was a really well-thought-out plan. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, in the 60s and probably even in the 70s, like, yeah, I can see how this would work for kids living that close to New York City. But also, I think the thing is an adult that, like, hit me right in the feels. And, like, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was sitting there, like, crying finishing Aww. the book. Was just the, all of the, I guess, like, the philosophy about having a secret. And how powerful having a secret is. Yeah. And because, like, I've felt that so much in my life where you have a really amazing thing happen to you or have a, an amazing experience. And then the second you talk about it, it becomes less special. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, man, do I get that? Just this, like, finally understanding, even though it's hard to not tell people how much more valuable, like, having that little thing to just... You know, like that little like internal pearl that you polish over and over over the years. And it just, you know, it's just yours. So, yeah, I mean, I've never I've like never read a book, though, that talked about that concept. You know, like I've never had that written out on paper for me before. It's just kind of been something that I like knew in the back little recesses of my mind, I guess. But I've probably never even really thought about. But yeah, I I think that was like my big like takeaway moment, I guess. So yeah. I love that. It's, that is, you just made me think of so many things and like that little piece of yourself, especially when you're young and you want independence. And in this case, she's like feeling lost in the shuffle of three other siblings and school and stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I know I'm destined for something greater than this. Like I know that I am a person that has, that should have a story to tell. And I want to know what my story is and I'm going to go find it because it's not happening. And like, Oh, I just, 
I remember reading like the Nancy Drew books and this book and, you know, all of the, the types of books we're talking about when we were younger and feeling like, like sad, almost like, what's my adventure? <laughs> like, when's right. it going to happen? Where's my adventure? Right. Yeah. And Claudia is just I like, I just keep waiting. And I know who every single, I know who every single one of these boxes that shows up is it's from, <laughs> you know? Yes. And Claudia is like, I'm going to just go seize the day. I'm going to make an adventure because I'm just going to make it happen. Yep. Right. Well, man, I've cried like two times already talking about this book. Kelly, that was beautiful. The polishing the pearl. Oh, God, you got me in the feels. Um, Thank you. It was my, uh, you know, spit shot metaphor for the day. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you mentioned, and I am so on board with this. So rather than the kind of typical sections that we do with a Nancy Drew book, we're like, this book is different. We are going to instead just talk through our favorite parts of this. There are so many good parts. Um, Do you want to go first? What, like, let's, you kick us off with one of your absolute favorite aspects of this book, and we shall discuss. Okay, well, so I'll start with, I mean, I kind of just said it, but like, just the entire running away plan. Yes. I mean, that because I completely relate to Claudia in the way of I, I love a plan. I love to plan. (laughs) Planning is as good as doing. I, that is like my downfall in life is that I am an over planner and I never do, which is why it took us how many years to start this podcast. And finally you were like, let's just do it. Let's ride. You know, let's just, let's just hit record. And I'm like, are you sure we shouldn't talk about it for another five to seven years? And you're like, no, just hit record. So I get it. I'm yeah, I'm a planner. So I really turned that way. I, but like, like I said before, I mean, this was like a darn good plan. I mean, agreed. And some of it was slightly luck based, but only in the way that they didn't have to spend money. So like, it was lucky that they found the ticket stub, right? But if that hadn't happened, it wouldn't have, they still would have gotten there. Gene yeah. would have the money, you know? But like the school bus thing, where they're going to stow away on the school bus and then they're going to sneak. I mean, the music cases. Oh, Brilliant, yeah. Because right? they, she's Brilliant. like, we have to wait until Wednesday to leave because we mm-hmm. both have music lessons. That means yep. we can use it. No one will suspect that, you know, we're bringing these quote-unquote fake suitcases to school it's just my violin case but it's full of underwear like brilliant full of underwear and and also like i'm i'm guessing too that that might have bought them some time on the back end of the school day when they would have been in music lessons potentially so it like even like delayed their them being found out that they were missing i don't know they didn't say that but i'm guessing um i my my (laughs) it makes me laugh every time i think about it the letter she mails to her parents as they are running away saying like, we're fine. Don't call the FBI. <laughs> it makes me yes. laugh so hard. And then she is genuinely surprised at the end of the book when they're, they've met Mrs. Baisley Frankweiler and she's like surprised to find out that they've been in the newspaper as missing children. She's like, but I wrote a letter. I told them not to you worry. Like, she was genuinely surprised that, like, the letter didn't do it, you know? And they were like, well, I guess they're gone. Okay, well, you know, I guess we just have Kevin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. So I love the letter. Um, I mean, <sighs> if you don't talk about it, I will. But, like, I don't want to talk about the Met in this section. But, like, the 
the stowing away in the museum. Like, all of the things she figured out before they ever even got there of how they were going to make this happen was ingenious. And, like, down to the detail of we're going to go in the bathroom stall and stand on the toilet, but don't close the door all the way because that'll be the giveaway. Yep. You know, like, leave it, leave it cracked a little bit so that nobody thinks there's somebody in, you know what I mean? It was, like, so genius. Just as a side note, I will say, have you ever been to New York City? I don't think you have. I have. once, maybe, for work, yeah. Yeah, just for work. Like, I haven't spent a bunch of time there, and, yeah. I, I have spent a lot of time in New York. I have been in New York. I've never, like, lived there, but I've been there for extended periods of time for work, like, months As well as for play a lot. I've got a lot of friends in New York. And I will say, as a non-native New Yorker and as someone who doesn't live there, I have absolutely been lost in New York City and have nearly (laughs) panicked as a full-grown adult with a credit card and, you know, like... An iPhone. (laughs) A driver's license. And I... Right, exactly. Like, and have nearly panicked. I... My favorite was... And... Our friend Mark, who is also our audio engineer, so he'll theoretically be listening to this if he's doing his job. (laughs) (laughs) Volunteer. We voluntold him he was going to help us with this. But he went to work one day. I went with him. And then I wanted to go somewhere. I can't remember where. Could have been the Met. Not really sure. And, you know, as New Yorkers do, he's like, well, just like walk three blocks and then get on the train going downtown and then do this and do that and change here and change there. But if it's blue, don't get on it because that's an express. And you know what I mean? <laughs> and I went, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and like, no problem. I just went. I was like, fine. I thought I ingested all this information. But, you know, one thing was different and I did something wrong. And the next thing I knew, I was in the subway, but I, but like I could see light. Oh, you know, like, and I was like, oh, no, that's... <laughs> You're like, I'm in Yonkers now. That's not my now. understanding of what the, <laughs> Literally, I was in, like, the Bronx. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not where I was meaning to go at all. Yeah. I was trying to stay on the island of Manhattan. <laughs> and, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you turn yourself around, but, I mean, I did... I So, this whole time reading this, I'm like, man, these children are, like, not phased by anything. No. One of the things, I'm sorry that I am just like, I don't know why this book is making me so emotional. And I'm like, I feel like I'm tearing up again <laughs> saying this, but this was like on page two or three. And I have actually, Claudia says something that I have thought about so many times in my adult life, just like finding my way as a person in the world and jobs and should I move? Like, what will what will I do next? And she says something that just lord me and i'm like she says it's important to her that she's running to something not just running away from something Mm, i just got chills like that i like i cannot tell you the number of times i have thought that i've said that to other people like when people are like i hate my job i want to do something else and i'm like totally get it just make sure that the move you're making is in the direction of what you want to move towards and not just like out of the frying pan into the fire sort of thing and she said that and i was just like Oh my god, is that the first time I heard this? Like in fifth grade? And I probably was like, yeah, 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 like moving along, like run run towards something, whatever. But man, if that's not some wisdom from a 12-year-old right there. Oh, now I'm gonna cry. Oh god, okay, okay. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the Met then, so we can both calm down. (laughs) Okay. 
the Metropolitan <laughs> Museum of Art. Um, like, yes. I mean, my God, Karen. The like, best possible place to run away the to. The best possible thing like, ever. So magical. Um, right off now, the bat. And, and like, now, now that I know it's the Met, I'm like ashamed that I kept thinking it was an aquarium the entire time. <laughs> Which would have been also awesome. Would have been also super cool. But But, let's be real. Yeah. I really didn't know what this book was about, clearly. And, like, right off the bat, Claudia is like, oh, man, there are all these, like, roped off chairs that you can't sit in. And she's like, I'm going to sit in Marie Antoinette's chair. This, like, rules (laughs) so much. And I'm like, that is awesome. She's like, I'm, we're going to sleep in this bed. Tea for time. (laughs) Tea for time. Can you ever imagine yourself doing something like that because i don't know if it's just me i don't i mean i i used to think it was oldest child syndrome but like claudia is an oldest child and i mean i am a little rule follower oh i am too no like there's a rope over that i hate getting scolded for it like even now like i hate when someone's like that is not the correct process ma'am and i'm like oof okay yeah i'm so sorry now i'm embarrassed and she's like i'm gonna sit in that chair and i was like that's awesome (laughs) thank you I want to know what it feels like to be like be Marie Antoinette. Totally, I'm like, I'm like, pick a different queen. You know? <laughs> like maybe that's not where you should. Like, maybe not that one. Set your aspirations, but like totally legit. Um, they sleep in this huge bed that is mm. like on a platform that's roped off. Um, that. Mm looks really nice but then they you know when they go to sleep and she's like this smells quite musty and i don't like it i'm like i'm sure it does <laughs> i'm sh- i'm sure it does also the whole time i was like how are you sleeping because right. i i mean i mean like karen on mornings when i have a flight the next day at three o'clock in the afternoon i can't sleep because i'm still afraid i'm gonna miss that flight me too kelly much less if i'm yes. like when's the night watchman gonna come along and am i gonna oversleep and next thing i'm gonna know i'm gonna have guests looking at me in this bed i mean like in a full ross and rachel in the museum moment dude you read my mind i was like they should have brought an alarm clock. Like, what if they don't wake Thank up? You. I was so worried they weren't going to wake up. So they also bathe in the fountain, which is the one of the coolest parts of the book. They're like, we, yes. <laughs> I think Claudia is like, we smell disgusting. We need to take a bath. Yeah. We're going to go take a bath in the huge fountain that's in the middle of the restaurant, which there is a very adorable picture of in the book. And they discover that there are coins in the fountain that they can harvest. Income. <laughs> Income, income, Karen. Yes, <laughs> you found an income. So they're and they get really like, excited. That's not income as much as it is just full on felony. But well, and they or the, petty crime. Is it a petty crime, Karen? Uh, I think that's a, a petty oh. a petty theft. <laughs> Go back. <laughs> and they uh, like it's so cute because they get really excited when they're. It's very dark, so they're feeling around the bottom of the fountain, and she's like, "Oh, a lot of pennies and nickels." And then they find a quarter, and she's like, "That must have been a very rich person that threw that quarter in here." And I'm like, "That's so awesome." Well, actually, that was one of my favorite parts. Like, talk talk about another tearjerker moment. Yeah, they find the the quarter. There were a couple of dimes and a quarter. And I'm paraphrasing here, but like Jamie says something like that must have been a really rich person who made those wishes. And Claudia says, no, poor people make big wishes. Something like that. Like she, she basically said like, it's people that don't have a lot of money that would risk it all to make a big wish. Oh God. A a quarter. I know. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I I can't. I can't. I know. 
I have a question about this scenario. Before I ask you this, yes. like, for our can, listeners. Can you hear my cat screaming in the background? <laughs> no. He's like, let me on the yeah, podcast. He is. He's so, he's so unhappy right now. He, he's I, ignored me 100% of the day. And now that he can't be right next to me, now he's mad. Hey, man. I get it. That's just like me. When I was, you know, I almost said when I was your younger sibling, which I still am. But I'm like, pay attention to me. What are you doing in your room with the door closed? Are you writing in your you diary about me? you build a snowman? <laughs> build a snowman with me. So they do a couple other things in the Met. They, like, realize that on the weekdays there are field trips coming through. So they kind of tag on to the field trips to act like they're supposed to be there, which is genius. It's like, yeah, there's other kids genius. here. I'm with those kids. Mm-hmm. No one look askance at me. They, during the day, hide their belongings in different places so that the the guards won't see them. So um, they put one of the instrument cases in, like, a sarcophagus. They put one in, like, a a big urn. (laughs) Yes. They, like, hide their stuff strategically all over the museum where it won't be found, which is amazing. Um this all goes back to something you said earlier about like being a planner and not liking uh, being scolded <laughs> for things. Mm-hmm. Would you have had the guts to sleep in this museum and like bathe in the fountain and like hide your belongings in a ancient Egyptian sarcophagus? Like, I don't think I would. Have. No, no, full, full no. But like, and that's why I think that's part of the magic of this book where, because I can completely imagine like, first of all, I was never so upset at home that I would have ever, like, actually run away. But I can completely, I, like, I see why a fourth, fifth, sixth grader would love this book. Because the idea of doing this is so amazing. Yes. Then you actually try to put yourself in that position. And I mean, I never would have gotten past the bus maneuver. No, neither know? would I. Like, I, I would never have skipped school, you know? Much less... No, I mean, I never would have done any of this. I I would not do this now. I mean, (laughs) even if you told me, like, you could walk into the Met tonight, there is going to be one 107-year-old guard on duty. Um, The risk is very low. (laughs) The the risk is low. All All of the alarms have been disabled. Do as you will. I still would not do this. Would you? I'm the same as you. I, I I think why I love this book is that I love the idea of it so much. And it was yes. like, like titillating in the way of like, that would be awesome. Also, I yes. would never successfully do this ever at all. <laughs> no. But I, I would be, I, you would, like, I would walk into the museum. Okay, let's pretend I got that far. I would walk in and they would go like, what are you up to, young lady? And you'd tell and them I'd everything. And cry and be like, just call the police. Like, you know? I'm, I'm caught. It's over. <laughs> yeah, it's done. I would have no chill at all. Let's say, though, let's say hypothetically you had a metric boatload of chill and you did do this. Looking back like on, on our the lives, European measurement of chill, metric boatload. Yes, that's okay. my that's my new barometer. Uh, if okay. you did do this, and you were Claudia, where would you have chosen to run away to? Well, it would be me and you, not me and Claudia. Right, you are Claudia, and I am Jamie. I oh, guess okay. in this if scenario, okay. yeah. Like, where would you have selected as your mm. new home? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, 
I'm trying to think of places that I knew about when I was in sixth grade. I just pulled out a ton of hair. That's... Oh, my God. You need some vitamin D. I'm taking it actively. Go into the sunshine, Kelly. You need to leave your house. (laughs) (laughs) I think the doll housing isn't good for me. My hair is falling out. You're down Um, in your dark basement making a creepy doll house. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm going to make some twisted candles. Um... (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know, Karen. I probably, like, for me, it probably would be a library. I knew like, it. I knew it. Yeah. I, I, or, or or a bookstore. Like, yeah, it would probably be, I mean, it was like, would it be like Disney World or something? Like, but no, it would probably be, it would probably be a big library. I love that. I love that. What would so. yours be? So... When I started thinking about I'm like, where would I go? Do you remember? I think this was in St. Louis, the museum that mom and dad would take us to called the Magic House. Oh, yes. I think I would run away to the Magic House. There were like dinosaur skeletons and activities. Mm -hmm. It was like a children's museum. Yeah, they had that, um, like that ball that you put your hand on and all your hair stood up. Yeah, the electricity ball. They also had, because Mm -hmm. it was St. Louis, like... Um, these huge building blocks where you could make it was to teach you about how keystones support an arch structure so you can like make a an arch with these building blocks that was like like not life-size but like for a small person that would be an awesome place to run away to there was like a full like it probably wasn't a real dinosaur skeleton but like a life-size like tyrannosaurus rex skeleton like that place was dope and i'm like i would spend the night there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean in, in both, but again, like, here we go. I mean, Claudia was so much smarter than us because neither of our places have a bed in them. You're 100% right, yeah. Like or I'm, food. <laughs> or food, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, well, Karen, it's uh, cheese crackers out of the vending machine for us again. Peanut M&M's um, for the rest of your life. <laughs> for the rest of, hey, that would not be, that's pretty much what I'm doing anyway. I love a peanut M&M. Well, Okay. What is, I, oh God, this is my favorite conversation of life. What is your next favorite thing about this book? Um, probably, I mean, just like Jamie and Claudia's relationship. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. I mean, so get ready to cry again, Karen. I, I mean, know. I know. And it's, I mean, I, I think it's because I saw, like, I, I just kept imagining it was me and you the whole time me too me too i did too but okay so are were you claudia or were you jamie i well like who who do you relate to most so i think at that age like you are definitely you this is not the question you asked me but you are definitely claudia and (laughs) i on page can i read you from something from page one (laughs) of this book please chapter Chapter one. I was like, this is... Is it, because, is it because I'm a bossy little thing? No, it's because you have <laughs> you have standards for what situations you want to be in. Like, this is the beginning of the book. That is true. Claudia knew that she could never pull off the old-fashioned kind of running away. That is, running away in the heat of anger with a knapsack on her back. She didn't like discomfort. Even picnics were untidy, untidy and inconvenient. All those insects in the sun melting the icing on the cupcakes... Therefore, she decided that her leaving home would not be just running from somewhere, but would be running to somewhere. Mm. 
to a large place, a comfortable place, an indoor place, and preferably a beautiful place. And that's why she decided on the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. I was like, this is Kelly. Like, you're like, if we're going to do this, it's going to be nice. It's going to be a place that is like a comfortable, sustainable environment. Like, let's not cut corners here. Let's like do this for real. Right. Let's just do this right. Yeah. Let's let's take our time, make a plan. Let's do it right. Also, I mean, you, you are correct in that. I, I, I do have standards when it comes to my environment, but you also are a Claudia in this sense. I, I am like, I, I need, I don't like love the unexpected. Like I want to know when I'm going into an unfamiliar situation that I have the right tools with me that I've at least like, I, I'm a risk mitigator. I'm like, what? (laughs) I enter every situation, like, what are all the things that could go wrong? And if they, if those come to fruition, what am I going to do about it? Like, I have to have, I I have to know how I will handle. Yeah, you want to have a plan. Yeah. We're not Nancy's. No. We are not Nancy Drew's. Nancy is not a risk mitigator. Nancy, like, no, we're we're both like a Bess. Last book, case in point, when she goes into the cave and is like, well, let's follow <sighs> the cult into that cave and we'll figure it out as we go. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. No. Like, not that risk. is not mitigating risk. <laughs> no. Maybe maybe we're like Carson's, you know? Yeah. But, I, that's yeah. fine. Anyway. That's fine. I'll take it. Can I ask you a question, though? Yes. Did you... I don't know if this happened to you, but we both love the show Bob's Burgers. And the entire yes. time I was reading this book, I was picturing Jamie as Jean from Bob's Burgers. Yes, completely. And I was picturing Claudia as Louise from Bob's Burgers, who's just like wheeling oh and God, dealing yes. and like, we're going to go do this. Come along with me. I've got a plan. <laughs> like, I read the whole book just picturing Louise and Jean. <laughs> that, okay. Um, so, you know, I know... We've got a lot, millions of listeners out there. And if any of you are associated with Bob's Burgers, I would love to see an episode that's an adaptation of this book. That, that is would be an amazing episode. That's such a good idea. That's such a good idea. See, I, I, I was picturing, I, or I would have pictured Tina, but I think Louise is a better choice. Yeah, I think Tina's too cautious to have ever thrown herself into this. <laughs> Tina, this. Can, Tina can be Kevin. Yeah, Tina is a hundred percent. Okay, thank you. That's all I had to like. I just yeah, this that, whole that's book. That's amazing. Like the the moment too when I was like Jean and Jamie are the same was when they they have like a note that they don't want to be found. It's instructions to yes. Jamie about yes. how they're going to escape, and he's like, "And I should eat the note after I read it, right?" And Claudia is like, "You don't really have to. You could just throw it away." And he's like, "I'm gonna." I'm going to eat the note because that's what you do. I like complications. He loves complications. Like, I, mm-hmm. oh, God, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> but, man, he, he wussed out early. And and I thought that the parents were going to find the, the note. The half-eaten note. <laughs> yeah, the half-eaten, gummed-up note. And that's how they were going to find them. But, I mean, I will say that I was mightily impressed that that Claudia had come up with a plan that stymied even the FBI that they went. I mean, I was feeling for her parents, you know, like this is horrible, but I'm like, nobody could put two and two together here. Cro- crossover. They needed Nancy Drew. Cause we know that the, like the FBI yeah. is not doing a great job. They needed Nancy. <laughs> my, one of my favorite things, like, so <laughs> 
they they complemented each other, right? So so Jamie is like basically not a planner at all except when it comes to money and claudia is a planner in all things except when it comes to money Mm -hmm. so so that becomes a crossover and i think she kind of like initially gave him this little assignment of like you're gonna be like the treasurer of the group um to like give him a job to make him feel important i mean like there's a lot of like identifiable manipulation going on. Oh yeah, she is straight up using him for dollars. <laughs> She's a straight up manipulator. What I loved was that after, once she decided he was the guy who was in charge of the cash, she abided by that. She abode did. Abode by that? What's the past tense of abide? Abode? Ab- abode? I don't know. Abooted. <laughs> you you uh, choose. She, she, abode, <laughs> she abooted by... <laughs> She listened to him. <laughs> yep, she did. Yeah, when he said no, she was like, all right, I guess we're Fine. walking. Like, we just can't afford walking. the bus. Like, she wanted to take a taxi 1,100 times in this book. She's so like, just let me go in one New York City taxi. And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> I completely agreed with Jamie on this front. Oh, I, I did too. Like, I was like, that's going to be yeah. your entire pocketed change there, bruh. Like, <laughs> you can't afford that. <laughs> Come on. I, I also, like... And it's been funny because we've had a couple moments of this just in the past week, but like their sibling ESP when when they're moving Angel and Jamie figures that out because like the the movers come into the bathroom where he's hiding, waiting for the museum to close and everything. And he realizes they both need to stay put or they're going to get caught, but he doesn't have any way to tell Claudia that. So he sits there like, you know squatting on top of this toilet concentrating which i'm just like i don't know how your little quads are doing that i I know is it quads are those in your legs or are those in your arms yeah i think you got that right i think that's your quads he's like crouched on the toilet like oh god we're gonna get busted like stay there stay where you're at stay where you're at stay where you're at he's he's beaming he's beaming information to her through the bathroom and it works Mm -hmm. she's like i just knew i had to stay put and he's like yes you did i just knew (laughs) So one of my questions for you, and this is kind of like a big theme in the book, I guess, is Claudia eventually realizes that she needs to feel like, and you said this before, like she needs to feel different before she goes back. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to go back the same as when she left. Did did you ever have that moment? Did you feel that way growing up? Constantly. Really? Constantly. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. Like, I really just loved the idea of, like, I, I don't know, like, I want there to be something unique about my story. Like, I don't want to just be this kid that lives in St. Louis and I just go to school and I, that's it. Like, I eat dinner and I go back to school. Like, I was like, I am destined for greatness. <laughs> Not necessarily destined for greatness, but just, like, wanting to have, like, a yeah. thing. Like, I, I wasn't like, I need to be a celebrity or something, but I was like, right. what's my thing? Like, I want to have a thing. And I sought after that, I think, in a lot of the books that I read. And I just felt this, like, I don't know the right way to say it. Not like a twinge of despair or something, but I was just like, what is my thing? Like, what makes me me? What is cool about me? And I I really, I related to that so very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What about you? Like, I, I'm sure I did, um, but I think way less than you. I mean, I just, I, I, 
I think I have a very like checklist oriented brain. <laughs> so I was just always like, I just have to get done with high school. You know, gotcha. and it was like, yep. I just have to get done with college, you know. Um, I think I felt that way more, though, when I was in middle school, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is I'm, which probably what you're talking about, too. But, like, at the time I was reading all of these books with these kids that, like, Nancy is, I think, I, I guess, a perfect example. But there were a million examples of that in middle school literature where... Yeah, I mean, like, the the star of the book, the heroine or the hero of the book is special in some way. Or they've, you know, they're, I, I, you know, and, like, not to keep bringing it back to Nancy, but, you know, in the same way that Claudia is kind of, like, an adult, you know? And they, yeah. they figure out how to do these. I just wanted to be an adult. That's That was, like, my big bucket list checklist. I didn't need to be, like, famous. I didn't need to have a thing. I just wanted to be grown up. Um... And I wanted everybody to leave me alone, and I wanted to make my own decisions. <laughs> that all <Right>. adds up. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> I, oh, man, this is taking me back. Taking me back to our yeah. youth. Little baby us. Youth. Ah, uh, the youth. Well. Uh, so what What else did you have? Big, big uh, favorite parts. Well, let's talk about. The titular character. I have to say that once per episode. The titular character. <laughs> you've, you've said you've said so many versions of T I T in this episode. Oh, I, I did say titillating. Yeah. Yeah. Now titular. So two. I guess I exaggerated <laughs> times. You've said it. I probably now. I now I've made it a thing. So Mrs. <clears throat> Basil E. Frankweiler. Mm, what a so gem she is. Ugh. I love her. The best. Here is, here is this elderly woman. She is widowed. She is living in a ginormous house. She is clearly rich as all get out. Like, AF. Uh-huh. Yeah. She is like living the life and she, but she is a woman who, so, okay. I'm going to pause the sentence that I was just saying. I think that pause. she loves Claudia because she sees a lot of Claudia in herself. Or herself yes, and Claudia, maybe. And she says, I wrote down a, a line from the book, and I can't remember exactly when it happens, but she says, her concern for delicate detail is as well-developed as mine. So, like, mm-hmm. she is deeply charmed by this young girl, and she's like, I get it. Like, let's go on this mm-hmm. journey. And... um as yeah, such. like one of the parts I liked with their relationship was when uh, Claudia like stood up to her and said, well, I'm not going to tell you anymore until you tell me some more. Yeah. Yes. Like, what do you got yeah. for me? Like, and mm-hmm. I don't know. She she is the other thing that's very similar. I think this is why I paused that's similar about her and Claudia is that like even at their very different ages. Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler is a person that loves adventure and she loves knowledge and she wants to, she wants to have a plan and document details and like, yes, it's these very similar personalities at different phases in their lives. And it, that's a good point. I didn't put that together, but you're totally right. Like Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler is what Claudia is a hundred percent going to become like with her file cabinets mm-hmm. of like, here are the things that I've learned and, it makes sense yes. to me and only me and I like it that way and you can, you know, screw off like this is this is my mm-hmm. file cabinet. And um 
like, as such, she, I don't know, I just felt like the way she spoke to these children when she showed up at her house, she wasn't, like, surprised that they were there. Um, She didn't send them away when they came to her house, even though this is the first time she's encountered them. Mm -hmm. She has seen the newspaper article, so she knows that they've run away from home. Mm -hmm. But she brings them in, and she she wants to hear. She she didn't she didn't even call the cops. No, she's like, tell yeah. me tell me what you're doing. Like she was genuinely interested in who they were and what they were after, and hearing their side of the story. I guess, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you what What are your thoughts on Mrs. Basily? I just she's so fascinating. I think it's interesting anytime you encounter a person who remembers what it's like to be a kid and remembers what kids want. And, and like, I think that's rare. I mean, I don't think I'm one of those people. I, you know, um, but she does, you know, and she does it without like, you know, condescending to them or anything like that. She just, she gets it, you know? Um, And, and like, moreover, I think she looks at him and is like, well, this is interesting. Yes. You know, I mean, I think she genuinely thinks that what they've gotten up to is like awesome, a feat <laughs> yeah. and cool. And she's probably like, damn, I wish I had done that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think she's pretty impressed, which is cool. So totally. Um, I yeah. liked that they didn't make her out to be too like a like fuzzy, like cuddly grandma character. Yes. Like she's just yeah, real. She's hard as a pile of bricks. Yes. She's very direct with them. And like, you want to you want to be seen as adults i'm going to talk to you like an adult like mm-hmm. what are you up to like um i she she i like that she made them like earn the information about angel she made it a, she made it kind of a a, a a a mystery to solve right yes um she gave them everything they needed she put a timer on it and she knew they'd figure it out and they did but she also knew that it wouldn't be a special yes if she just handed them the file folder. Yep. Like, you know, the, they had to earn it. This can't be the end of the story is that I just tell you the answer. Like, you're going right. to, you're going to solve this mystery. Right. You're going to figure it out. Oh God, I love um, it. I love her. And, and the fact that she gets that thing, like the, the fact that she's able to like, she sees what Claudia needs and is able to name it. Yes. And, you know, and like, and Claudia just has this feeling in her of like, she needs to be different. And part of what is going to make her different is that she needs a secret. And, but she's not able to like vocalize that. She's not able to put a, a name to it. And Mrs. Basley does and is able to give her that and, and gets it, you know? Yep. And, and she puts caveats on it that make it, that like, bring Jamie into it to make it impossible for him to ruin it. Kelly. So. Kelly. I just had one of our podcast epiphanies. Did did you? Tell me. Oh my god. Tell me. Tell me. Based on what you just said. So about her essentially making them earn this information. Mm-hmm. Claudia and Jamie ask her several times, like, why on earth have you, you, you have this information that could prove that this is a Michelangelo statue and yet you still sold this statue for $225 <laughs> like why would you do this and she says I don't like donating things she was not gonna uh, 
donate. She wasn't just going to give them the thing. Uh-huh. She's like, you, yep. if you want to be different and you want to emerge from this, a new woman, Claudia, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to just give that you to you. To, you got to earn it. Yep. Yep. She doesn't like donating things. Ooh, good one. Okay. <laughs> good. Well, well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Um, so also I love her bathroom. I'm obsessed. I'm putting one in now. Like I'm going to gut my basement and turn it into a Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler, like black marble. Oh yeah. Mirrored, <laughs> like walk in, like I want to, I want a bathtub that I have to walk down steps to get into. Full same. I was like, when Claudia, Claudia just goes to the bathroom to wash her hands. And then the next thing you know, she's taking a bath. I'm like, I, I would have done that. I love bathtub. I, once again, I'm like, this girl is, she'll be president one day. I yep. fully believe that. I mean, anybody who can walk into a stranger's house and within 30 minutes be like, I'm just going to take a bath. I'll while have a I'm bath. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Like, please hold off serving the clam chowder. I'm just going to take a quick dip in your, like, 47-gallon... <laughs> your Olympic-sized <pool>. bathtub. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, Karen, if I can't have a dragon-shaped faucet for my bathtub... Just call stat, it a day. Yep. Stat, like, things are going to get ugly over in here in Newport, Kentucky. Good like, to know. Mama needs a dragon head. <laughs> good, to, good to know. <clears throat> I'll add that to the birthday list. <laughs> So, so here's here's my here's my question for you. Okay, will Claudia and Jamie ultimately donate the sketch, or will they keep it secret? Donate slash sell, or will they or will they keep the secret? I think. Oh, that's hard because they are very different personalities, and I think very Jamie's different. like hook me up with them dollars. Let's. Call. But I think mm-hmm. Jamie's I think, like this is my four hundred one k. Yes, yes. I think they'll. I think they're going to keep the secret. Yeah. I think they will. Well, I don't... Oh, God. It's hard. I think they'll keep the secret. Do you want them to keep the secret? I do want them to keep the secret. And I... Well, maybe not forever. I want Claudia to become an old, wise woman and then... And have, like, many secrets. And have many secrets. And then it's, like, a grand reveal that, like, does some good for the world that she's like, it's time to -hmm. tell this. But I, I want her to ch- to cherish it for a while. Yeah, me too. I One of the things that I loved, and again, I'm not quoting, I don't have the book in front of me, but um, when they ask Mrs. Basil E. why she, like, donated the, the statue at all, and she basically says, like, well, if you have a secret and you never let on, like, that's no fun either. Right. So, so she gave him, like, half of it dropping some breadcrumbs well so do you okay so here's a question for you yeah based on the information that we now have do you believe that that sculpture is a michelangelo sculpture Mm, i do i do too yeah i think it is and but i i think her point is right which is no matter what proof you have, it'll never be enough because they'll question the proof and they'll question the proof of the proof. And so you need to like believe whatever you believe and not let what other people believe sway you from that or let that impact how like impact your confidence in it or yes. 
it's not even like impact your confidence of it. It's like impact your satisfaction from knowing what you know. Right. Like even if somebody comes and snatches it away from you and they're like, it is not in fact Michelangelo. Like I want to make sure that you're in a place where that doesn't matter anymore. She's clearly a wise woman. She's so, it's so beautiful. Oh God. Should we conclude with my two open questions? Oh, I'd love to. Okay, and if, hey, listen, if you can answer these things, hit me, but I, I think they will remain open. Okay. Number one, was it important or just coincidental that, the, that Saxonberg, who is Mrs. Baisley Frankweiler's attorney, turns out to also be the kid's grandfather? Dude, I don't, I can't, I can't answer that, first of all. I'm sorry. I was that seemed so unnecessary. I was very confused by that. And I I felt like just moments before that reveal, like Claudia had actually said something to Jamie about. So basically, the kids decide, wouldn't it be cute and awesome if we secretly decide to start treating Mrs. Basilie as our adopted grandmother? And we won't that was so sweet. And like, we won't tell her because she doesn't need to know that we're doing this, but mm-hmm. she'll feel it because we're going to just act like her grandkids from now on. And I felt like Claudia said, we don't have any grandparents. So there's something weird going on in this family tree where mm. they are estranged from this man, but it did not ever become clear to me or make sense to me why that happened. And it fe- <laughs> I felt like a little Carolyn Keene. It was like trying to make a plot twist here that doesn't make sense, but I don't know. I, I, Yeah. Well, and it would be, I didn't pick up on the, we don't have any grandparents thing, but it would be her, her mother's father. Okay. Because Saxonberg isn't their last name. Oh, yep. You are correct. You are correct. Yep. Okay. Question number two. Okay. Um, why does everybody like hate on Kevin this whole book? Kevin. I mean, I was getting, I was getting strong Home Alone vibes. Like there was a <laughs> sentence early in the book. That was practically a quote from Home Alone. Like, it wasn't actually, Kevin, you're such a disease, but it was... It's close. It was very close to that. Yeah, like, and and they kind of say something about, like, as soon as Kevin came home from the hospital, like, he's definitely the favorite child, and the mom, like, loves him, so the other three siblings hate him. Boo. I also couldn't stop thinking about that horror movie we need to talk about, Kevin. I was like, maybe he's... Like evil, <laughs> and we just don't know. But yeah, it could be. Maybe Claudia's like, I'm getting some strong vibes off of you. Well, my sweet sister. Yes, that's me. Shall we write this book? I think we absolutely should. I love revealing to you when I get to do it what the rating scale is. So it's my favorite. It's my favorite part. I have decided that this week we are rating from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler out of a possible twelve gray underwear. Kelly, how many gray underwear did this book earn for you? This book rates 11 out of 12 gray underwear. Oh, that's so high. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. It's a great book. I it it I loved all of the I mean, all of the just like running away stuff and the sneaky sneaky stuff and how they they literally outwitted the adults at every turn and I love that. So, yeah, I mean, it is a an easy 11 out of 12 gray underwear for me. What why, about you? Why did you remove one gray underwear? That sounds because so, that came a, out, that came out wrong. <laughs> it was, it felt very accusatory. Um, I, and, and my answer is not good. It's just simply that I'm not in an emotional state yet to award 12 out of 12 anything. I understand. That's, yep. 
That's a very yeah. Claudia answer. <laughs> You're planning. You're planning ahead. I am. I, I need somewhere to go, Karen. I I get it. <laughs> what did you rate it? And explain your reasons. Kelly. And your deductions. No deductions. 12 out of 12 gray underwear. <gasps> oh my gosh. That is such a Jamie thing to do. I know. I'm, I'm full on Jamieing this one. I just like... Love. You're just like eating. You're just like eating a dropped candy bar right now, right off the museum stairs, man. Mm. Like I loved this book when I was little. I was scared to reread it. I was like, I hope I still love it. And I loved all the same things. And I gained more nuance because I'm like, this is so funny to read as an adult. These kids are hilarious. <laughs> I just, I'm gonna like read it again next week. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for you. There are two movie adaptations to this. <gasps> So one of them's called Mrs. from the Mixed Up Files. And then the other one, I think they changed the name. It's like the Stowaways or the Hideaways or something like that. Oh, my God. Um, But one of them has, I think it's Lauren Bacall in it. And then one of them has Ingrid Bergman in it. Whoa. Yeah. But I think they were both like fairly like made for TVE. But regardless. I will be be doing that tomorrow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This brings us, Karen, yes. my sister, that's me, to a new section of our Super Sleuths ep- Super Sleuth episodes. <gasps> we have previously done separate episodes for our reading lists, where we announce like our next four books for anybody who's reading along with us. But uh, we're changing it up because you know we're only two people, and you know, time is of the essence. We do we do what yeah. we want, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. So we've decided that the reading list episodes, we're going to add on to the end of the Super Sleuth specials. So, Kelly, with that said, shall we announce the next four books that we'll be reading? Oh, oh, Karen, we shall. (laughs) We shall indeed. Uh, So next, we're back with Nancy. We are hitting book number seven in the series, which is Nancy Drew in The Clue in the Diary, which I am so psyched for. Okay. Ooh, I love a clue. I love a diary. You do love a diary. Um, I do. Also, I actually, I have an older edition of this book. I, you know, like whatever the, they're the, the yellow, not the flashlight book, but like, you know, like the 1960s something edition. Um, so I'm guessing you're probably going to read the flashlight edition from the 80s. So yes. that should be kind of fun to see if there are like major discrepancies. Oh, man, I can't wait. Also, though, have you looked at the cover of this book? I did. I did right before this. Is this the one where there's like a full house, like a, a literal this is house the one in, where on there's fire? Like, this is the one where there's like a red gate farm behind her. But it's on fire, like, right? Oh, is it on fire? Yeah, at least on the the new book covers, the house is like in flames behind Nancy. What's it called? Uh, The Uh, Clue in the Diary. Clue in the Diary. I just looked at it and was like, how is this not Redgate Farm? Like, it looks like a farm. It looks like a... I mean, it's got... Oh. Like, there's a a full house is going to burn down in this book. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. <laughs> oh, well, listen. This should be a great one-sentence plot contest then, because... There's actually I mean, something to work with on the cover. There's something, <laughs> there's something other than dirt on the cover. <laughs> yes. Uh, dirt and 
a hill. So, wow, there's a lot. I wonder who that mysterious person is in the foreground. Could that be Ned? I think it's Ned. I want it it to be Ned. I think it's Ned. He doesn't, he looks like he's fresh off a European vacation to me. So it's it's probably Ned. I hope so. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. Why is he hugging that rose bush? Bad idea. Feels like a bad idea. Bad idea, Jeans. Um, yeah, so that one's next. Cool. Well, and then after that, I believe we have Nancy's Mysterious Letter, which two fun facts about. First one that's not written by Mildred Wirt Benson, who has written all the ones we've read so far. And plot twist. The naming convention is different. So we've had Nancy Drew and every book has been Nancy Drew and the something. This is just Nancy's Mysterious Letter. So yeah, I don't like it at all. Changes are coming, whether we like it or not. Can it can it just be Nancy Drew and the mysterious letter? Like, no, it why cannot. do we need to introduce an apo- introduce an apostrophe right now? That that Bugs. ship has sailed, Kelly. This is what we got to work with. <clears throat> Next, we have Nancy Drew and the sign of the twisted candles, which I alluded to earlier. As I am making some twisted candles for <gasps> my dollhouse, you did allude to that, um, and I didn't know what you meant. So <laughs> thank you for clarifying. That's what I meant. Um. This one is also not written by Mildred Bort Benson. It's um, these two. I think maybe the the next one after this two are all written by Walter Kerrig. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but dude. Um, anyway, I also love this cover. It freaks me out. It feels supernatural. Not sure what's going to happen, but like, what can twist a candle? I mean, only a ghost can twist a candle, Karen. I don't or, like it. Or a phantom horse. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. What's um, happening? Moving on. No more ghost talk today. Okay. Our next super sleuth book that we'll be investigating Mm. is called The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. And Kelly. So excited. The tagline for this book is a Cinderella story with deadly stakes and thrilling twists. So that's awesome. I love I love a stake. I love a twist. And a Cinderella story. So this is a new book. 2020. This came out. Yes. A little bit of a deviation for us here. And you know, I was going to give a, a little teaser about the plot, but I won't. Just come okay. along on the journey with us. What I yeah, will... It's a, it's a new book. Yeah. Yeah. What Super I will jazz. say is that there are some very on-brand themes that I have gleaned from mm. researching this, like wills and inheritances, mm. wealth and privilege. There's a spooky house and there are puzzles. So, like, I'm getting some, like, Nancy vibes, some Westing game vibes. Like, this is yeah. going to tie in, I think, beautifully to the path awesome. we've been going Yeah, I'm, I'm excited we're, like, going to do something that's more recent. Yeah, me too. Um, just to mix it up a little bit. Mix it up. Um, I will say that this title was partially picked by our followers on Instagram. So oh, we yes. put up two possible options in our IG stories and took a vote. Um, so... Be sure to follow us on Instagram at It's a Clue. It's a Clue podcast at It's a Clue. What is it? It's a Clue podcast, I believe. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's right. Cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and keep an eye on our stories because we'll we'll keep voting on these titles every month. Um, and if you have suggestions, shoot us a message on Instagram or email us at It's a Clue podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. And I know you're probably sick of hearing us ask this, begging, pleading, but if you would, please um, rate, review, and subscribe the show uh, wherever you listen. We are, like, having so much fun and super grateful to everybody who's listening and giving us feedback, and we love hearing from you and what you think about the show. So do us a solid and 
yeah, jump on and rate, review, subscribe, please. True facts. All right. And in conclusion, the moral of the story, Kelly, what did we learn today yes. from the mixed up files of Mrs. Bailey Frankweiler? Would you like me to tell you? I don't know. Tell me, please. My chief takeaway from this book. <laughs> Carrying around your entire bank account in coins can be cumbersome and actively get in the way of effective sleuthing. Make sure to identify the locations of coin star machines before you activate your runaway plan. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yes. A good, solid advice. Yep. Yep. Well, Karen. Yes. With that. Happy, happy sleuthing. sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W., you can find her on Facebook at Danny W. Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It-